Hey everybody, it's Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to another Wednesday Bible study. Hey, last Wednesday evening, I started a series on, Is it okay for Christians to drink alcohol? And if you missed that, I'd like to invite you to go back to our archives and find that message and listen to it. I think it would be helpful to you uh, before you listen to what I have to say this evening. But I did want to do a little uh, review here before I get to the new material. Um, remember last week I brought out from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, that drunkenness is, is a sin and that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. And uh, so I, I talked about that last week. And then I also noted that there's two schools of thought on Christians and alcohol. And one school of thought is, is that Christians can drink alcohol just as long as they don't get drunk. And, and another school of thought is, is that Christians should abstain from drinking alcohol completely. And really that's at the crux of what I'm trying to, to answer here in this series is, is it okay for Christians to drink alcohol just as long as they don't get drunk? Or should Christians abstain completely? And that's really at the crux of what I'm dealing with here in this series. Remember also last week, I, I told you that in the Bible, there's two kinds of wine, okay? It's called the fruit of the vine or wine, you know, and there's two kinds. There's the unfermented wine, which is non-intoxicating, non-alcoholic. Sometimes it's referred to as new wine. And then there's the fermented wine. And remember, fermentation is the result of decay. And, and so there's the fermented wine, which is intoxicating, or we could say alcoholic. Uh, sometimes it's referred to in Scripture as strong drink. And, uh, and then I took you to Proverbs 23, verses 31 to 33, but actually we'll just look at verse 31 here again this evening because this, this is a major verse. I, I call it a slam dunk verse um, on, on the, the, the biblical position that Christians should not drink alcohol, uh, you know, intoxicating drink whatsoever. And it's, it, let me read it for you. Proverbs 23, verse 31. The Bible says... Uh, King James Version here. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it gives its color in the cup, when it moves itself aright. Now that that uh, terminology may be a little bit confusing to you, but as you study into what that means, when it's red, it gives its color in the cup, moves itself aright, that has to do with the fermentation process, okay? And what the Bible is saying here is that we're supposed to not even look upon that kind of uh, that kind of wine, much less drink it. So uh, I think we have a slam dunk verse right here uh, that says clearly that Christians should not be drinking alcohol. Okay, and and the rest of what I share, as I told you last week in this series, is just building one block upon another, showing you, confirming to you from the Bible that that uh, Christians should be abstaining from alcohol. Okay. And so I've kind of answered, not kind of, I have answered the question right up front. But like I said, now we're going to build on that and, and show you again and again, uh, uh, one thing right after another, where the Bible is, is, is telling us as Christians, we shouldn't be drinking uh, alcohol, okay? Uh, it, it, again, it's interesting in the scripture, and I brought this out, out last week, but I want to say it again. The, the unfermented wine, okay, uh, the new wine, the non-alcoholic, is commended in Scripture. 
okay? Now, I'm going to give you a verse on that here in just a moment. But the fermented wine, the alcoholic, the intoxicating wine is condemned. So the unfermented wine is commended, but the fermented wine is condemned, okay? And so uh, it, it just I just wanted to review that with you. And also, too, last week I brought out that that uh, uh, strong drink, okay, intoxicating wine is not permitted for kings, it's not permitted for priests, and we as Christians are kings and priests, so there's another block for you or another point for you, you know, against the drinking of, of alcohol, that strong drink, uh, fermented wine, alcoholic wine, alcoholic beverage was not for a king, and it was not for a priest, okay? And we, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are kings and priests, according to Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. So, since intoxicating drink isn't for, is not for kings or priests, and we're kings and priests, well, intoxicating drink isn't for us as Christians, okay? So, that was a review from last week. But uh, I, I thought it would be helpful just to kind of bring you up in case you didn't go back and look at, at part one if you missed it. So with that being said, go to Psalms 104, Psalms 104, verses 14 and 15. Now there's, there's several verses in the Bible that commend uh, the drinking of non-alcoholic, non-intoxicating wine. Okay, there's many verses that commend it. The commend the drinking of non-alcoholic, non-fermented, non-intoxicating wine. I'm not going to turn to all of them for the sake of time, but let's just read read uh, read one passage here. Psalms 104, verse 14, King James Version says this: He God causes the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man. Now look at that. God makes wine that maketh glad the heart of man and oil to make his face to shine and bread which strengthens man's heart. Now, it says right here that wine makes glad the heart of man. Now, uh, I heard one, bless his heart, I heard one, uh, 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 I don't know if you call him a minister. I, I guess he was maybe thinking about being in the ministry. Uh, but but he, he, he argued... And he said, "There, see, wine is okay because it, it it makes it makes your heart glad." And what his implication was is that is that he said, "Here, he said, look here, the Bible says wine makes glad the heart of man." And his implication was is that essentially that wine is there for us to get, I guess you'd say, to get a buzz on, you know, or to get 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 a little high on. And uh, and, and so he tried to justify the drinking of wine based on, on that verse. And this isn't talking about getting a buzz on. This isn't talking about, you know, getting high or intoxicated. But he, he used that verse to say, oh, it's okay to drink wine. In other words, he was saying that it, it's all right if you get a little bit, bit happy as a result of, of the intoxicating wine. Friends, that's not what, that's not what this uh, verse is talking about. You know, there's some people that know just enough about the Bible to make themselves dangerous to people. You know that? And, uh, Anyway, this guy, I think, was one of them. But with that being said, this is talking about not getting a buzz on, but celebrating God's provision. And since we know that that, that getting a buzz on or, or getting any, anywhere close to drunkenness 
and from what I've already shared, drinking alcoholic wine at all is 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 condemned by the Bible. The wine that this is talking about is the non-fermented wine, the non-alcoholic, the non-intoxicating wine, the new wine, and it's commended in, in Scripture. And it's here mentioned, it's here mentioned for us to drink it to celebrate uh, God's provision, okay? And, and, and then also, too, uh, with that being said, it kind of dovetails into this next, next topic, is, is the topic of Jesus and wine. Jesus and wine. And, and uh, if you go to John, the second chapter, and I'd advise you to read verses 1 through 11. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read through, through those verses, but remember, this is where Jesus turned the water into wine, okay? He turned the water into wine, and you can read the first several verses, but, but uh, uh, you know, he had his disciples fill the water pots full of water, and then in verse 8, this is John 2, verse 8, he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast, because, you know, they had, they had run out of, of, of wine and all of that, and they came to Jesus, and so he... He tells them to draw some, fill the water pots and then draw some out. So they did, and they took it. Verse 9, And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, because remember they had run out of wine, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, uh, then the inferior wine. But you've kept the good wine until now. This was the this was the first sign that Jesus did. Okay, so he changes the water to wine. But now think about it. And and this guy drinking and he says, "Wow, this this is this is the this is this is the good stuff." Now now here's the thing. Just think about it, okay? Because people will say, "Well, Jesus turned the water to wine, so it must be okay to drink wine." Well, it is okay to drink. It is okay to drink wine. Think about this wine. It was new wine. It was not fermented. It was not alcoholic. It was not intoxicating. It didn't have time to ferment. It was fresh, okay? Jesus had just turned the water into wine, okay? No time here for fermentation. No time for it to become alcoholic or intoxicating. And, and, uh, and I mean, this guy's freaking out at how good it tastes. And, uh, and and you need to understand something else about the ancient culture that back in the time when this is happening, unlike our culture, at least here in the United States, see back there then, the new wine or the non-alcoholic wine was considered the best. Now in our culture, I'll just put it in, in an example we can all understand. In our culture, most places that, that I know anything about, you know, if you put out the grape juice and you put out the, uh, the alcoholic wine, you know, most people are probably going to tend to, a lot of people tend to the, to the alcoholic wine. They'll say, well, that's the best. Frankly, I, I like the grape juice. I, I just do. But, but see, in our culture, people would, you know, at a wedding or whatnot. I mean, at a wedding, just think about weddings you've gone to. Unless, unless I mean, you know, it's a Christian wedding and they're, they're, you know, they have, I think, 
the right view of the, of the scripture on alcohol, you know, there's not going to be alcohol at the wedding, but if you go to most weddings, they're going to be serving alcohol, you know, and, and, and if you have, they're not going to be serving much grape juice, okay? They're going to be serving, you know, alcoholic wine. But you need to realize in the culture in which uh, Jesus turned this water to wine, the non-alcoholic wine was considered the best. And so that's what Jesus did. He turned this water into wine. It was new wine, non-fermented. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was just fine to drink. It was, you know, it was, it was, when I say just fine to drink, it was fine for everyone to drink. It was not alcoholic. It was non-intoxicating, you see. And, but people a lot of times will say, well, Jesus turned the water to wine. So, you know, Jesus must approve us drinking, drinking wine. Well, he does. He absolutely does. As long as it's non-alcoholic. Okay. And, 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 and you think about this, just something else, you know, with what we already know about what the Bible says about al- uh, alcoholic drink or fermented wine or alcoholic wine, do you think Jesus, our Lord, would, would turn water into wine, into something that could cause somebody to get drunk? Do you think he'd do that? I mean, just use some common sense. If you know anything about the Lord at all, just think about that. Do you think he would do that. Do you think he would turn water into wine so that people could get drunk? Do you think that he would do that? No, he wouldn't. Okay. So we can't use, or you shouldn't use this Jesus turning the water to wine as, uh, as, as, as a reason uh, to show that Christians can be drinking alcoholic wine. They, they shouldn't be. And Jesus, again, didn't turn this water into fermented wine. It was new wine. Didn't have time to decay, okay, and ferment. And so it was just fine to drink. And in the Bible, the non-fermented wine is commended by God, okay, to drink. It just is. It's the fermented alcoholic kind that you have to stay away from. Now, here's another thing. We're talking about Jesus and wine Go with you would to, if you would to Luke the seventh chapter and the thirty third verse. Uh, Jesus is speaking here, Luke seven thirty three. He said, "For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a devil." Now, by the way, John had had in the Bible what's called a, the Nazarite vow, or he was a he, he well, I, you know, he was a Nazarite. Let's just put it that way. And uh, they would take a vow, and like Samson if in the Old Testament, he was he had, he he was a, a, a Nazarite, and they would take a vow and whatnot. And, and among other things, uh, they were not allowed to drink the fruit of the vine at all. I mean, certainly not the intoxicating, but they were not even allowed to drink the non-intoxicating wine. Okay, and actually, if you look at Samson in the Old Testament, he wasn't supposed to be drinking. Uh, Certainly not the intoxicating, but not the uh, uh, non-intoxicating. But you can see in Samson's life, in Samson's life, he didn't he didn't abide by his 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 Nazarite vow because I it, we see him at the the vineyards of Timnah and the valley of Sorek, where some of the most intoxicating wine was produced. And and you know remember when Delilah. You know, when he was asleep on her lap and she wove his hair and all these different things and the Philistines would be actually come in the room 
Now, it's pretty simple. Samson was passed out drunk on her, on her, with his head on her lap. I mean, I mean, you know, if, if he was just sleeping, if he was, he, it was, he was sleeping all right. He was passed out. If he was just in a natural sleep when those Philistines all came in there and whatnot. And by the way, not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about the weaving of the hair, but if I was just asleep and if I had long hair and I was just asleep and my wife started weaving my hair, I'd wake up. But Samson, he wasn't just asleep. He was passed out drunk. I mean, anyway, he had all kinds of trouble in his life because of, because of it. You know, alcohol has caused a lot of problems in a lot of people's lives. But nonetheless, let's get back to the subject here. John the Baptist, he was, uh, he was a Nazarite. He wasn't supposed to drink even the non-intoxicating wine. But anyway, look at verse 34. The Son of Man is, is come eating and drinking. Okay, so now he said, John the Baptist neither came eating bread nor drinking wine. You know, he ate and drank other things, but eating bread or drinking wine, neither that. You say he has the devil. The Son of... Now get to it here. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking. And you say, behold, he is a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. So they accused Jesus of not only being a glutton, but they also accused him of being a wine-bibber because they saw him eating bread and they no doubt saw him drinking wine. You mean Jesus was, well, Jesus was drinking wine? Well, well, if Jesus was drinking wine, then I guess it's all right for me to drink wine. Yes, Jesus drank wine. He did, but it was the non-intoxicating wine. And, and let me just, let me just, I mean, let me just say this. Right, Jesus ate bread. He wasn't a glutton, all right? But they accused him of it. He drank wine, but he wasn't a wine-bibber. Now, let me say two things. First of all, I know he didn't drink the intoxicating kind of wine. Now, how do I know that? Because earlier, last week in this series, and I already reviewed it this evening, Jesus was not only a king, but he, he's the king of kings. He's not only a priest, but he's the great high priest. And I've already shown you from the Bible that intoxicating wine was not for a king, and it was not for a priest. Therefore, Jesus would never have drank intoxicating wine. He didn't change the water into intoxicating wine, and he didn't drink intoxicating wine because a king couldn't drink it, a priest couldn't drink it, and Jesus is not just a king, he's the king of kings. He's not just a priest, he's the great high priest. But nonetheless, they accused him of being a wine-bibber because they saw him drinking wine, but it wasn't the alcoholic kind of wine. It just wasn't, okay? For the reasons I've already mentioned. And then there's something else, too, that I, that I think that, that is worth note. If you go to Proverbs 23, verse 20. Proverbs 23, verse 20, the New King James Version says this. Do not mix with wine-bibbers. Do not mix with wine-bibbers. Well, let me tell you what a wine-bibber was. I don't want to get tongue-tangled on, on that, saying wine-bibber. But why a wine-bibber, <laughs> if I'm not careful how, they, how I say that, you might think I've been drinking some wine. But anyway, let me stay serious. A wine-bibber, what was a wine-bibber in the Bible? <laughs> what was a wine-bibber in the Bible? Okay, 
I haven't been drinking. Okay. What was a wine bibber in the Bible? Okay. A wine bibber was a social alcoholic drinker. Okay. A wine bibber was a social alcoholic drinker. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing because I got my tongue tangled there. But a wine bibber in the Bible. Okay, which is the same thing today. I, 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 I would think that that would be a good term for today. Oh, a wine. You know, you can, you can, you know what? I tell you what, I have the Holy Spirit. I don't need the, 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 the demon spirits that's on alcohol to, to laugh and have fun. You know, I tell you what, I've had so much fun and I've never been drunk a day in my life. I don't drink the stuff. I tell you what, I've had so much fun under the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't need the spirits that come out of Budweiser bottle or a bottle of wine. I have the precious Holy Spirit. Amen. Anyway, uh, having said that, a wine bibber in the, a wine bibber in, I'm going to get through this yet, a wine bibber in the Bible I'm too far into this message to start over, so you're just going to have to have to just just staying in there now. Okay, I'm not going to edit this out. So, a wine bibber in the Bible, okay, was someone who was a social alcoholic drinker, and uh, the Bible says, "Do not mix with wine bibbers, or don't mix with social alcoholic drinkers." Now, that word "mix" it does not mean to not go around them. Because we need, the, the Bible's clear, Jesus did this. We need to go around sinners. We need to be around sinners. The thing of it is, is when we go around sinners, we don't need to act like they do. Okay? You know? I've been around so many, so many alcoholics and drinkers over the years, you know, and, and I'll be sitting there and they'll go around the room, you know, and they'll order this beer and that wine and this, that, and the other, and it comes to me and I order, I order a Diet Coke or water or, you know, uh, one time I was sitting, this is just the truth, I was sitting with a, some preachers and I was shocked as they went, the waitress took orders around the room and they were ordering Budweiser or our, our, our Schlitz malt liquor or whatever it was and wine and this and that, the alcoholic stuff. And I was, I was flabbergasted that these preachers were doing this and, and I could hardly believe it. And so, you know, I, I wanted to, I guess, fit in a little bit. So when they came to me, now I don't know if you'll get the humor here, but I think it's funny. When they came to me, I told the waitress, I said, I'll have milk in a dirty glass. <laughs> you know, in a dirty glass, they make me seem a little tougher, I guess. But uh, milk in a dirty glass. But anyway, but yeah, they they were drinking. And but here's the thing: when it came to me and I ordered the diet coke, and, and not only with the preachers but with other people over the years, when they see me not drinking, you know, it, it's it it really it, it's it's a witness to a lot of people. Now, not 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 the preachers, not so much. But but as I've been in different environments, not that I'm holier than thou or anything like that. But you go into an environment where there's people, you know, alcoholics, people drinking, and and then you know, then I order, and I'll and my wife and I will have water, or we'll have you know uh, uh, a diet coke or iced tea or whatever, you know, and we don't drink, we don't enter in. It, it's really a witness to a lot of people. I know I've lived it, I've done it. It witnesses to people a lot of times, and even to even to some Christians, you know, uh, when they're ordering different dr drinks and things, and we we don't. Um, 
Not that we're better than anybody else, but it actually has been uh, been a witness. But anyway, uh, for good. But but the Bible says don't mix with wine bibbers. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't associate with them in that we should never go around them or or be around them. We should. The Bible the Bible tells us that we should. Jesus he he went around sinners all the time, but because just because he went around them didn't mean he acted like them. He went around them. And he drank wine, but he didn't drink the alcoholic wine. Okay, and uh, and 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 so, uh, but we need to be around sinners. We need to go around sinners. Okay, we don't need to act like them when we're around them. Okay, but when it says don't mix with wine bibbers, it's not talking about never being around them. It's talking about I'll say it this way: running with them. You know what I mean? Running with, running with the crowd. You know, Jesus, he went around sinners, but he didn't run with sinners. Do you see the difference? Okay. He, he, he was around them, but he didn't, he didn't buddy-buddy with them in that he was around them all the time. Let me put it this way. Jesus ran with his disciples. All right. He, he, he mixed with those people. That was the group that he mixed with. You know what I mean? That he ran with. He didn't run with the sinners, you know, but he was around the sinners and he, and he ministered greatly to sinners. That's why he came. Okay. So what, what is the Bible telling us here is that we're not supposed to uh, run with social alcoholic drinkers. That's what the Bible says. Do not mix with wine bibbers. Don't mix with, don't, don't associate yourself closely and be around all the time. Uh, uh, wine bibbers. You know, I just, I just, uh, just thought of this. Uh, perhaps the Holy Spirit may have brought it to my memory. I remember when I was in Bible school, there was an older gentleman. Uh, his first name was Wally, and he was a really a, a, a nice guy. Him and his wife, not nice, nice people. I think he's in heaven now. But this was back. Oh, I guess probably over 30, about 30 years ago, give or take. But we met him in Bible school. Him and his wife, they sat next to us. And I got to talking to him. And he, he was, at that time, I'm going to say he was probably 70 maybe. And he went on and pastored a church. He's very, very good. But, but here's the thing. He and I got to talking about alcohol one day. And, and, and he told me this. He said that as a young man... He hung around with the wrong people. You know, the Bible's very clear. You've got to watch who you run with. You've got to watch who you associate with. The Bible says bad company can corrupt good character. And he told me this. He said that he got around the wrong crowd when he was younger. And they were uh, drinkers. And uh, he said that because he was around that crowd... He said it influenced him. And then he told me this. He said he said it took him, now listen to this. He said it took him one day to crawl in the bottle. And it took him 30 years to crawl out. Now you think about that. And the implication was, and he told me, he said if he'd have never started drinking in the first place, never took that first sip. You know an alcoholic doesn't start out an alcoholic. An alcoholic starts out with the first sip. And if you don't get to the first sip, you're never going to wind up being an alcoholic, you see. And he said it took him 
like one day to climb in the bottle. And it was because of the crowd he associated with. And he said it took him 30 years to crawl out. And then finally he got, he said the only reason he got out is because uh, out of the bottle, the alcohol bottle. He was an alcoholic, a drunk for 30 years. And then he finally, he said he got saved. He came to the Lord, he got saved and the Lord delivered him. <laughs> the Lord, he crawled out of that bottle. The Lord got him out of that bottle, that beer bottle, you know, and uh, saved him. And, and he became a, a preacher of the gospel. But the point is, you know, we got to watch who we hang around. We've got to watch who we mix with because the Bible's clear. Bad company can corrupt good character. And so we need to be around people that social drink. Sure, we need to be around them and love them and, and not beat them over the head or put them down or anything like that. But just be lights of the gospel in front of them. Okay, and if we go around them and we're drinking just like they're drinking, or we're cussing just like they're cussing, or we're lying just like they're lying, or we're backbiting just like they're backbiting, gossiping just like they're gossiping, and disgruntled just like they're disgruntled, or smoking cigarettes just like they're smoking cigarettes, or whatever it is, well, what kind of a witness is that? You know, we need to be lights among um, uh, among people who are in darkness. Okay, and so. So the Bible says, don't run with, don't associate with wine-bibbers. And, and Jesus didn't associate with wine-bibbers. They accused him of doing that. Now, he went around them, but he didn't run with them. There's a difference. I think you see the difference. So anyway, well, I think that's interesting. Now, notice at the Last Supper, Matthew 26, let's look at what's known as the Last Supper, uh, when Jesus there was with his disciples in that upper room. And... Uh, and notice here, Matthew 26, verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood. Now, of course, we understand that the bread does not actually literally become the body of Christ. It's representative of. And the, 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 the wine... Okay, the juice, the wine, does not literally become his blood. It's representative of his blood. Okay, all right, we understand that. That's I could teach for an hour on that. But he said, he said, this is my blood, or we could say this is representative of my blood. So he took the cup, and in the cup was wine. Okay, fruit of the vine was wine. Now think about this. Because people will say, well, Jesus served wine at the Last Supper and it's okay to drink wine. Well, what kind of wine? Intoxicating or non-intoxicating? Well, let's look and see. He said, this is my blood or this is representative of my blood. This had the cup, wine in the cup. He says, this is my blood or representative of my blood. Of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine, so we know it was fruit of the vine, we know it was wine, until that day when I drink it new, look at that word, new, N-E-W, new, until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, what did Jesus just tell us about the wine he was serving the disciples? It was new wine non-fermented, non-intoxicating, non-alcoholic. And that kind of wine is commended in Scripture for us to drink. And that's what he served at the Last Supper. And the Bible says, until I drink it new, 
All right, and that word new in the Greek, it's kainos, K-A-I-N-O-S. The Greek word for new there is kainos, which means especially in freshness and respect to age, with respect to age. So what, what is this saying? He was, he was serving them new wine, non-fermented, non-intoxicating. And he said, that, and that's what they were having at the Last Supper. And he said uh, he won't have that again until the day that he drinks it with them new in his Father's kingdom. And if you think about it, in heaven, there is no uh, fermentation. Why? Because there is no decay. There is no alcohol in the kingdom of God. Think about that. No fermentation, no decay. So what he served them at the Last Supper, you know, what we know as the Last Supper, uh, Passover, what... It was not uh, intoxicating uh, wine. It was not strong drink. It was new wine. And he said he wasn't going to have any more of that new wine until he drank it again with him at a future time in, in his father's kingdom. So Jesus did not serve intoxicating wine at the Last Supper, nor did he drink it. And also think about this. When he held that wine in that cup, what is that wine symbolic of? It's symbolic of his precious blood. And let me ask you this. Would God want the wine at communion, which represents the precious blood of Jesus Christ, to be the fermented, decayed, alcoholic, intoxicating kind of wine? Would God want that kind of wine to be representative of something so holy as the blood of Jesus? I say clearly no, no, 10 billion times no. Okay, pretty powerful, I think. Now, let me close with this. Let's go uh, to Matthew 27 and, and look at uh, Jesus when he was on the cross. Because people will come in and they'll say, well, Jesus drank wine on the cross, so it must be okay to drink wine. Well, let's look at this. Matthew, and we'll, and we'll close with this and then we'll pick up next week and finish, finish, the, uh, finish the series. But look at this. Um, Matthew 27, verse 34, Jesus is on, uh, well, here it looks like he's getting ready to be right before they crucified him or just as they had crucified him, right in that time. Uh, they gave him, the Bible says, New King James Version, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, but when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Now, we're going to read here in a moment where he did drink a little later on, he drank this a little later on, but not this exact concoction. Right here, they serve him sour wine mingled with gall. Now, the thing you need to realize, this sour wine, as you study into it, this sour wine was non-alcoholic. It was a drink of the Roman soldiers, but it was non-alcoholic, okay? And Jesus in this case, he didn't drink, not because of the sour wine, because that wine, that sour wine, wasn't alcoholic anyway. He didn't drink because of the gall that they had mixed into it, and that gall was a narcotic painkiller, okay? And so Jesus did not drink because of that narcotic painkiller, the gall here. Sometimes it's called myrrh. And the reason he didn't drink it was because of that, that narcotic painkiller, because you see, Jesus was there on, on Calvary's cross bearing the punishment for all mankind's sins, sickness, disease, and all of that. And he, he had to bear that without the assistance of any, anything 
any narcotic painkiller at all. He he wouldn't accept any kind of uh, uh, any anything that would numb the uh, uh, him bearing the full brunt of the punishment of man's sin and sickness and disease and mental malady and so forth. Okay, so that's why he didn't did not drink here. Was the the wine was not that sour wine wasn't alcoholic anyway. It was that it was that narcotic painkiller that was in there. Jesus, I, I mean, you think about it. He, he, I guess he could have taken some of it, but it would have numbed it, numbed his senses and whatnot. And he was not going to let that happen. He was there to bear for mankind the punishment of our sins, full, full core, with no assistance from any kind of painkiller or what whatnot. Think about that. Now, let me make the statement. That's not to say that painkillers. There's not. It's not to say that taking painkillers is wrong for us. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you need to take some Tylenol or ibuprofen or whatever the case, uh, that, that that's fine. That's not what this is all about. It's that he wouldn't. He he was he he was there bearing the punishment of Adam's sin and our all of our sins of mankind and and sickness and disease. So there was gonna. He he was not gonna have anything to numb numb that. He had to bear 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 it all full brunt. Think about. It. Don't you love him? He's he's wonderful, isn't he? But um, now next week, I am going to show you a verse as we close next week where the Bible talks about using uh, uh, alcoholic wine as a painkiller when somebody's getting ready to die. We'll talk about that next week, okay? So I'll save that for then. Maybe that'll whet your appetite to come back and listen to the last last part of this next week. But then later on, and, and we'll close right here, John 19... Let's go to John 19, verses 28 through 30. A little later on, this was early on, just even before they crucified him or just after they had crucified him, right, right in that, you can read it and find out just exactly when they offered him this that he would not drink. But later on, you know, he was on the cross for about six hours. Later on, if you look at John 19, 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished and that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst, okay? And now a vessel full of sour wine. Now, what do we know about that sour wine? It was non-alcoholic. It was not fermented. It was not uh, intoxicating. There was a vessel full of sour wine sitting there, and they filled the sponge with that sour wine, put on hyssop, put it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, so he drank the sour wine. He drank it, but what do we know? Study into it. It was not alcoholic. Okay, he said it is finished and bowing his head. So this is right near the end of that six hours. Uh, he gave up his spirit and, and, and he died. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. Well, let, let's, I hope I shared some things this evening that, that have been helpful to you. But I'm trying to keep these to around 30 minutes. I'm already at 38. So I tell you what, time flies when you get into the word of God. But anyway, next week I'm going to pick up, hey, we're going to look at, we're going to look at the Corinthians and I shouldn't half chuckle about it because there's nothing to chuckle about. But we're going to look. They got drunk at the communion service in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. <laughs> they got, I shouldn't be laughing. It's not funny. But they can you imagine? I think the reason I have chuckle is can you imagine getting drunk at the communion service? I mean at church? And, and you would say, well, why were they? 
Why were they serving alcoholic drink? And, and that's another good question. Should, should we be serving like grape juice at our communion services? Or should we be serving, serving, you know, wine that, that, that's intoxicating? Well, I already, I think you already know the answer to that. Do you, do you think God wants, uh, that which represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to be an intoxicating wine? Cert- certainly not. But anyway, why, why, why do they have intoxicating wine at the communion service? That's really the question because some of them were getting drunk at the communion service. Okay, so we're going to talk about that next week and why they had that that intox, intoxicating wine there, why it was there. Talk about that, and then remember in, in First Timothy three, you ought to read that. It talks about the uh, the bishops or the pastors uh, uh, not to be given to wine, but the the deacons shouldn't be given to much wine. And so sometimes people say, well, you know, pastors shouldn't drink at all, but 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 the the, the, the deacons, they can drink a little. People just people really have not understood First Timothy three as it pertains to to the, the being given to wine or given to much wine. So I'm gonna talk about that next week. And then we're gonna gonna talk uh, as I close talk about Timothy, Paul telling Timothy to, to drink a little wine for his stomach. We'll, we'll talk about that and, and then we'll close up. So hope I whet your appetite for next week. So hey, thanks for joining me. Hope this is being a blessing to you. And again, I'm not trying to beat anybody over the head or anything like that. I'm just trying to share the word of God with you uh, and give you the best information I can for you to make the decision you need to make in your life as it pertains to the drinking of alcohol. So, hey, God bless you. Remember, if you don't know Jesus, call on the name of the Lord with a repentant heart and whoever calls on Jesus' name will be saved. And he'll, I tell you what, you'll miss a devil's hell. You'll make a God's holy heaven and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. So, hey, I'll see you this Sunday, Summit Church, 10 o'clock, talking about lessons from the kings. Hey, this week, uh, let's see. Almost said Samson. Solomon. Solomon. Going to be good. Okay. I think last week with David was pretty good. Going to talk about Solomon. And then next Wednesday we'll conclude this uh, series on is it okay for a Christian to drink alcohol? And you know the answer to that. Okay. It's not. Okay. All right. Hey, God bless you. And I'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye.